Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. State of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes. Today I'm delighted to be joined by GP Mason. And before we get into any of the topics today, JP, I'm going to ask you about your attire. That is the first Celtic tracksuit I ever owned uh, back in 1987 for the centenary year. Talk us through this. It's a gem. Uh, well, it's not the original. Let's, let's be brutally honest from the get-go. It's not the original. It's a, it's a very, very high-quality uh, repress of said uh, 1988 tracksuit, uh, centenary tracksuit top. I uh, didn't have one as a kid, but I used to borrow my friends uh, to wear, like, I, you know, I used to get a lot of folks clothes when you were a wee guy. Like, Aye. I used to wear my weight greenies, one of this, and I've actually got a picture of me um, wearing that top. In fact, 
probably show you. Um, this was not planned. As if by magic. You what? As if by magic. Do you remember the? Um, do you remember the, the the kids' play area, Little Marcos in Edinburgh? Have you ever heard I of that? I don't. No, I don't. It was a pass me by. This is going to be a blast from the past for a lot of people if you're a uh, central belt based, but that was the place to go for a kids' party in the sort of mid to late eighties. And it did they burn you a vinyl? Yeah, you, if it was your birthday, you got a <laughs> you got a single um, to take home with you, um, which was the, the Little Marcos theme song. I'm definitely not going to play that just now, but you can see on the back there's my name, the John Paul from Little Marco, and then you can see pictures of like the play area. It's like you know ball pit and slides and all that sort of stuff. It was total class. Anyway, here is a picture of me in the centenary top as a wee yeah, guy. Go, I see it, man. With little Marco, so there you go. So was little Marco a teddy bear? It was a giant, a, a, a strange looking giant uh, bear, kind of like the thing that you see in The Shining, and that scene in The Shining when, the, when there's like oh, a flash into the room. That's, that's a creepy we seen that. Yeah, like um, a football mascot anyway, so that was the year dot for me, and, and I had to get this uh, repressed when I saw it, and uh there you go. What do you reckon of all the, the kind of remakes in that, JP? Because, you know, on the one hand, there was this period where if you were able to come across like an adult size jersey for 1980, people were buying them for like 300 quid. It oh, was incredible. Aye. And that was just a, a replica, not a match worn jersey. So yeah. these companies have cottoned on to that and they're starting to remake all the classics. And you see them in the crowds now. I mean, through. Yeah. Um, the Scotland games at the Euros, you've seen all the old classic Scotland jerseys. And part of me is like, well, fair dues, because, I mean, Umbro are never going to redo them if they're no, no longer involved with Celtic or Scotland or whoever it is. Uh, but obviously people are saying, well, they're bootlegging. Ah, but mm. th- there's a want for it. There actually is a need for it. No, totally. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, on board with it. Um, I wouldn't get a strip, a reprint, a repressed strip. I, I, I just, for some reason, I don't know if it's just my, uh, <laughs> it's just my kind of the way I go about it. Like I've, I've got my old strips, I keep my old strips. I wouldn't go about and buy kind of like a a replica strip like this, but because it was a tracky top, I was like, you're never going to get a tracky top. Like you're never going to be able to get one of these on eBay. I did see one once, and it was going for, like you said, I think it was going for north of three hundred quid. And I was like, I'm not. I like it, but I'm not. I don't like it that much. Um, so I didn't, I didn't uh, engage with that. But before we get into the Celtic chat, that is uh, I'm going to hold my hands up. It's, a, it's an Aberdeen strip. Yes, I know this is a Celtic state of mind. However, this is an Aberdeen strip that was made uh, in collaboration with uh, Bands FC and the Twilight Sad uh, to raise money for charity. And uh, over £11,000 was made for charity uh, through the sale of these shirts. Um, with Bands FC and they, they did a Frightened Rabbit one as well with Harps mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, they've all raised money for charity and um, yes, it's, it's been amazing to see people posting their pictures of them getting the tops through the post and then I got mine yesterday um, rather delayed but um, yeah, I've, I've got it now so I'm the owner, owner of an Aberdeen strip um, for the first for time. all the right reasons. For all yeah, the right reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, right. what Bands FC done was was tremendous. It was one of the ideas you think, why has nobody thought of this before? With the collaborated music and football. So Mogwai's crest was a Celtic crest. Yeah. Obviously, Twilight Sad, Aberdeen, 
fighting rabbit hearts, etc. Uh, and they obviously moved into uh, producing jerseys for charity. So superb. Massive, massive charitable element to today's show, JP. We will be talking about St Mary's, the birthplace of Celtic, and what Axom and others, we've got 15 podcasts signed up, um, are coming together this weekend to raise cash. Some much-needed cash has got to be said, and I'll delve into the story a wee bit deeper for St Mary's and St Alphonsus. And, um, you know, I've got to say, last year was a huge Huge success, loads of uh, money raised for really needy, needy causes. But I think moving forward, um, having found out what I have in the last couple of weeks, I think we'll always do it for St Mary's, you know, because they do need our support. And I think that as Celtic supporters, when you look at the origins of the club, that place needs our support big time. So Axel will certainly be doing it. And uh, a whole host of other podcasts will be getting involved, and I'll name them at some stage. We'll be talking about tonight's game. It always seems to be you and I on the on the pre-match. We'll be talking about tonight's game, a couple of returning players. Uh, there's chat about another couple of players that we might be bringing in. Loads to discuss. Um, so we'll start off with St Mary's. Now, there is a link underneath this video, wherever you're watching it on Facebook or LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter. And it's a GoFundMe link. And what we're trying to do this year is raise £10,000. I know it's a lot of money, um, but that £10,000 would be a game-changing amount for St Mary's. Now, as well as just the general upkeep, which sometimes you don't think about, JP, you don't think about the chapel needing the upkeep and the price of the heating and what happens if there's a leaky roof, etc., etc. Um, But the situation is... Uh, the running costs against the amount of people who actually go to the, the chapel is not making enough money, basically. So there is that element. But there's also the element of the good work that they do in the community all year round um, and taking people in who are you know, the most vulnerable within their communities, JP, supporting them um, and trying to get them back into society. Um, and that's what we're all about. So we can raise that money. I know we can raise 10,000 quid. We're going to kick it off with the charity weekend or this weekend. Now, we're going to be doing various things through the week with auctions and all that kind of stuff, JP. So it's actually going to extend beyond the weekend. Um, and we're looking to raise 10,000 pounds. So just while we're online, Let's have a look at the the uh, GoFundMe page, and we're currently sitting on fourteen hundred and sixty five pound before we start, and we're going to start at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. We're going to do twelve hours on the Saturday, twelve hours on the Sunday. During that time, hopefully, if the game goes ahead, we'll be covering the Dundee United game. And um, we'll also have special guests coming into the studio, and as I say, we're going to be collaborating with some of the fantastic Celtic platforms that are out there, and they're all listed on our social media. Um, some were involved last year. Some are appearing for the first time. Some of the podcasts who were on last year are no longer with us, and some of the ones that will will be appearing are brand new. So it's great for Celtic fans to uh, get involved and for Celtic podcasts to get involved. And I think we can raise 10 grand. As I say, it's a game-changing amount for St Mary's. You think of St Mary's, JP, you think of the birthplace of the club in November 1887. You think about the the recent funeral with Bertie Olds. You think about Tommy Burns. Um, you know, the, the 125th anniversary mass. And every year, we now have a celebration of Celtic's birth at St Mary's. You just need to look out the front of the building and I'm Gorton Moore, uh, the long-awaited Lassen Memorial, the tribute um, to the Great Hunger is out there now. 
And for me, it's the heartbeat of the club. We can never forget that. No, and you mentioned in St Mary's so many times that that, that was my uh, uh, parish in, uh, in Bathgate, St Mary's. Um, St Mary's uh, Chapel in Bathgate, and I went to St Mary's Primary School in Bathgate as well. So um, that you know, um, it all ties in. Um, I've never actually been to St Mary's um, in, in Glasgow. I mean, it's it's not my uh, local uh, jurisdiction, um, and uh, obviously I'm not from Glasgow, so I've never I never went there when I was a kid or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think what an amazing uh, choice of of. Uh, of charity to 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 raise money for because you know ultimately like you said you don't think about these things about the upkeep and you know turning the heating on and not having the heating on and things like that you know that that can make a huge difference and you know if 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 they are in need of of the money to help um you know as a place of of respite for for people to go to um, and yeah I'm, I'm i'm delighted that we are doing that oh brilliant i mean I don't know if you'll see this, but that there is a mosaic as you walk into St. Mary's, right? So that's on the floor, JP. And they imported the stone from the Holy Land Mm -hmm. for that mosaic. And obviously, as you can see, that inspired Axom's logo, which is up on this jersey here. So that's the Axom cross. That's where it came Mm -hmm. from. And that's the first thing you see when you walk in. And then obviously, in fact, before you walk in, there is beautiful stonework at the entrance with two angels we mm-hmm. cross in the middle. You go in, I think the last time I was in, they were housing the uh, the Brother Walford painting by uh, Peter Housen. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place. And I know that the formation of Celtic was actually in the church hall, which has since been demolished, but it's an important part of Celtic's story. And I just think that, you know, it may, or it should probably have occurred to us before now, but now that we've, uh, um, we've made that agreement with St Mary's, I think we should probably be fundraising all year round um, as of next year just to keep everything ticking along there, JP. And as I say, brilliant work in the community. You you imagine the birth of Celtic and the reasons, and we all know the history, the reasons why Celtic were, were formed and the poverty that existed within these areas and, you know, particularly within the Irish Catholic community within these areas. And you look at the situation now, and there's still poverty, JP, still poverty in the same areas. And I just think it's astonishing. So if we can do anything to try and alleviate that, we certainly will give it our best shot. Now, I love the chat about Frightened Rabbit, the centenary season, St Mary's. But you were at a very special event on Monday night, JP. Now, probably um, if you were to get all the Axon contributors together, you probably are involved in more events than everybody combined because of the job you do. But this was a social event on Monday and I've seen loads of the footage I wasn't there it sounds as though I've missed an absolute cracking event tell us about the hydro ah uh, yeah it was um, there was there was tremendous and it, I guess it was never going to be anything other than tremendous but when you say to people who maybe aren't Celtic minded or football minded that you're going to an event at the hydro with you know ex-players on stage sitting on couches with microphones people are kind of like what how, how is that how's that entertaining and like what how you know, when you think of the things that are normally at the Hydro, you know, like last night it was Gary Barlow, night before it was James, um, and the night the Mondays, that, the Mondays were supporting them. I mean, Monday with power gas wheeling, yep. And, and, and then and Monday night it was uh, Henrik Larson, John Hartson, and Chris Sutton on stage um, with with no songs. <laughs> uh, there was no songs from any of them. Uh, they did have a chat playing uh, some Celtic related songs on stage. Um, 
and uh, David, I think his name was very good. He was too. Um, but yeah, it was just organised by um, Simon Donnelly and Jackie McNamara. Uh, their their company, uh, First Star, organised this event, and I think they realised they were maybe shooting for the moon a little bit by you know booking such a big venue and yeah. going for it. But you know, it's one of those the old field of dreams uh, line. If 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 you build it, they will come and. Mm. And then, like over ten thousand people were there on Monday night to 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 hear those guys speak and hear Martin and Neil join them on stage to you know um, talk about the 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 years he was at the club and um, you know there was a supporting cast as well, Abchik, Mialbi, Petrov, um, they're all there and it was uh, it was uh, Alan Thompson as well. It was really it was really special just to see them all together again after all this time and there was footage shown in the screens. That, Reminiscing about um, Seville and and uh, other victories, uh, other notable victories at that time, and um, yeah, it was just it was it was great to be part of it, and then to get the opportunity to actually speak to Martin and Neil afterwards and thank him for everything that he's done for well me as, individually as a Celtic fan and collectively the Celtic support as a whole was um, was was a moment I'll I'll never forget, and he was so sound as well. He was just. Mm. It was genuinely and genuinely, you know, pleased and happy to hear, you know, someone telling him, you know, uh, I grew up in the nineties and then you came along and just lifted our, our club up off our feet and uh, off our knees, should I say, and then and made us, you know, kind of walk about with a smile on our face again, which we didn't really get to do a lot uh, in my <laughs> in my teenage years. So um, yeah, that was that was amazing and. Uh, uh, Grateful to have been a part of it. Superb. And, and Martin O'Neill and uh, Hernan Larson were both looking sharp, I've got to say. On the uh, Friday, I had been at the John Hartson fundraiser, which is mm-hmm. a lunch in Glasgow. And on stage with John was Stan Petrov, Tomo, and somebody else, I think. Who's that escapes me? Was it his son? No, I thought he wasn't there. Although he had one of the best lines of the night on Monday, I believe. Um, But it was great to hear the the guys talking about Martin O'Neill and the impact that he had had on their careers as well. And it was all for a good cause on Friday with Big John. Um, But that team that you were were running through there, you you run through O'Neill, legend, Larson, legend, Sutty, Hartson. And we've got great things to say about all these players. And I sometimes, you know, over the last few months, I've considered, JP, that it's a shame that Neil Lennon was not there. And it's a shame that there's a lot of kind of toxicity around what happened last season. Um, And I think that, you know, when I'm looking at where we are just now, and somebody's came up there talking about chasing rabbits because of Angie's uh, recent comments, um, I was looking at this season Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And at this moment in time, I've played 14 league games, and we are on 29 points. At this stage last season, after 14 league games, we were on 31 points. So we're a couple of points better off last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season at this stage, we were 13 points behind. We had those two games in hand, you'll remember, after mm-hmm. the ball and golly incident. This time around, we're seven behind with a game in hand. So we're closer to the league leaders, uh, but we've got fewer points. There seems to be a much better mood in the camp at this moment and amongst Celtic supporters. If we take away the Brendan Higgins and what happened with the food banks last week, out of the equation at the moment. Um, however, on the park, overall, we're a wee bit worse off. So I was looking at that and I was thinking about the stories that you and I were talking about yesterday about the hydro. And I, I've got to say that in time, there has to be reparation when it comes to Neil Lennon's standing within Celtic Football Club, what he done with us as a player, what he done with us as a manager. And last season was a collective failure, JP. Mm. A collective failure that um, was, for me, made even worse by external factors as well. Uh, we were murdered last season. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to say anything different, but it was a collective failure, wasn't it? And I think yeah. that during the season, as the season went on, uh, me and others were very critical of Neil Lennon. But it can't be forever. There has to be a period where it's like, you know what, this guy is a club legend. And when we're talking about Maravchik, O'Neill, Jackie, Larson, Sutton, Hartson, Neil Lennon's in there. He's part of that. No, no, 100%. He appeared on the screen and he got, when he was mentioned, there was applause in the crowd when he was mentioned. Not rapturous, but, you know, applause enough to, you know, uh, pick up on it. And then there was, you know, there was, you know, you saw him on the screen on 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 his back at the end of Seville, like absolutely gutted um, at the at the final whistle. And I, I think I read I read an article. I forget what it was. Um, I read an article which kind of said, you know, maybe maybe Monday night would have been a night uh, where he could have been there and and you know sort of in and around those people that he was successful with as a player. Um, and and you know obviously it was with Mialbi as an uh, as a as a had had him as an, an assistant coach as well. So you know I think I think maybe there was an opportunity there. Whether he was invited, I don't know. I didn't ask the question. Um, whether he was invited and he said no, or was wasn't invited at all, I don't know. But um, I think I think like you said, yeah, there has to be some sort of uh, bridge built at some point because it, it it just leaves a sour taste in the mouth that he's kind of you know, um, persona non grata in some people's eyes when mm. when, you, when you think of what he did as a player, you know, I mean, forget about anything he did as a manager, good or bad. What he did as a player, first and foremost, 
I mean, I, I, he, he was he was man of the match for me uh, a lot of the time in, in his in his playing days. In the same way that Kieran Tierney was man of the match a lot of the time, you know, where it was a kind of the running joke was, "Oh, who's getting the Kieran Tierney uh, man of the match award this week?" Because you know you were like, "Oh, we can't just give it to Tierney every week," so they would give it to somebody else, even although you knew Tierney was a stick-on man of the match. Mm-hmm. That was a, a lot of the time, and certainly in my opinion, was 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 the same with Neil Wenning. Neil Wenning ran himself into the ground um, for Celtic and, and was so influential in a lot of our key key victories uh, that won us, you know, titles and got us got us to European final. So, I also think that the the very fact that we've seen the the way that the club has run, JP, and by the way, Ange Postecoglou, I think, has done a remarkable job when you consider the way the club has run behind the scenes and you look at the the whole situation with Don McKay coming in 72 days later he's gone you, you ask yourself does the club really have the ambition do, do they share the same ambitions as the support I mean just a couple of days ago Queen's Park made an announcement it was a, an audacious appointment um, you know where they've actually plucked uh, a, a highly rated uh, football brain from AZ Alkmaar mm. and you think to yourself in the same week that, and I'm not comparing the two clubs, but the situations in the same week, Man United go out and get Ralph Ranić, and eight months ago we dedicated a show to why Celtic should go out and get Ralph Ranić, and Man United, who are arguably the biggest club in the world, have just gone out and done it. Mm. And I just don't know if Celtic, as a club, share the same ambitions, even as uh, you know what they're doing down at Queens Park showed Celtic up this week. If you ask me, you know they've went out there and they've made a huge appointment. We've not we've not done that in terms of um, a director of football to assist Ange Postecoglou, mm. you know. And I just think that um, these things that are happening at other clubs, they're out, the Ranić one, here's one for you. So we we did that show eight months ago. I'm not going to say, oh, I heard of Ralph Ranić before X, Y, and Z, because I hadn't heard of him until people started commenting on the Axon Bulletin about mm. Ralph Ranić. And what I find... Um, and I don't know about other supporters because I only spend, I spend the majority of my time with Celtic fans. I just think that on the whole, from what I, my experience, they're very well informed, be that about football, culture, music, literature, history. You know, I just feel that personally, JP, that Celtic fans are very, very well informed. Now, that might be the same across the board in Scotland. I don't know. I don't spend much time with Aberdeen fans or Dundee fans or Dunfermline to comment. But I know that Celtic fans are very well informed. So when we were talking about this figure who could really tear up the whole football operations at Celtic and be that bridge between the football department and the board, the comments started coming through on these broadcasts saying Ralph Ranić. And I'd never heard of the guy. So then you go and, as you do, you do your research, you find out the changes that he's made at various clubs. And eight months later, Manchester United are appointing him. But what I can say is the club um, were pitched that idea 12 months ago. Ralph Ranić. They they were pitched that idea 12 months ago from someone who knows a lot more about football than me. But then the level of money that you're talking about um, being involved in that, I mean, it would be nothing... Uh, you know, a drop in the ocean for Man United to one get him out of his contract at Lokomotiv Moscow. You know, whatever that cost, I'm sure it was near. I'm sure it was near. You know, uh, a four or a five figure sum. So they'll have just gone and paid that, got him, and then given them the money that he wants, given them the remit that he wants. Although I have seen a bit of um, 
a sort of bite back. I think Declan shared a post about how the fact that um, Man United were keeping all the kind of the old guard, and it just sounded so familiar to us in our situation, whereby we were retaining, you know, John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan, Stephen McManus, um, and and these guys are all kind of kept in the job because they're they're Celtic guys or whatever, and Man United are doing the same with Fletcher, Carrick, mm. you know, that, that kind of thing, and and whether or not Ranick's bothered about that in this uh, short term. Uh, short term window that he's got to work with the with the team because he's he's the the coach isn't he he's the head coach for the next six yes. months and yeah. then put changes to a, a consultancy role or something like that where he oversees the 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 development of the, the the football side of things which is what Gary Neville has been screaming out for for uh, to happen at, at Man United for everything I've heard him talk he said that the, the club's broken and it needs fixed um, and and that's, that's what he said so. We we at Celtic are you know the, the, not we but the board has just decided to sort of put off doing any tinkering with the football side of things because they're getting away with it just now because Ange Postecoglou has has become the darling of a, of the support and 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 has is, is working the media really well and mm. and is getting performances and results as well so um, it's almost like you know <laughs> we can just sort of. Uh, you know, turn the lights out and sit in the sit in the room like that. Well, well, everything happens outside, and then hopefully they'll just be like, "Oh, when we open the door, everything will be all right." But and I hope so too, because that's all we can really hope for at the moment. Because there's not there's not there's no alternative than than what we have in front of us. There is a comment coming through here. I'm just going to try and pull it up, and it says that um, Ange. There we go, Michael McDonald. Hi, Michael. Um, Glad that you're joining us on YouTube. Ange doesn't want a director of football. You know what? The club need one. Because Ange Postacoglu, let's say, let's look at the the average term of a Celtic manager. What is it now? You look at Ronnie Dyla, Brennan Rogers, Neil Lennon times two. What is it, three years? So the club need it. So mm-hmm. in three years' time, whenever Ange has written his name into the Celtic history books, and we don't know what that's going to entail in the next few seasons... He leaves and we're still going to need it. And I think it's all about structure within the club, JP. Now, I get that argument about the, the old guard, you know, and it's been brought up this week. I've, I've been watching a few of the Man U shows on YouTube. Uh, the Stratford Paddock's the one I tend to watch, but they're, they're talking about that, the old guard, and people say jobs for the boys and an old pals act. But I think there's a flip side to that, especially with a club like Celtic. And when I was talking, well, you take Bertie Old, for example, right? So Bertie Old, um, the late great, was signed by Jimmy McGrory, who was signed by Willie Maley, who played in the first game Celtic ever played in 1888. So there's a bloodline to the history and the traditions and the expectations of this football club. And I think that to a lesser degree, some of the names I've just mentioned, John Kennedy, you look at who signed John Kennedy, right? There's a great picture of Willie McStay. Um, you know, because he he and, and Eric Black were involved in the youth academy at the time. John Kennedy and Steve McManus are signing on the same day. Who signed Willie McStay? Sean Fallon. Who signed Sean Fallon? Jimmy McGrory. Who signed Jimmy McGrory? Willie Mealy. Takes you right back to the roots of the club. And I think there is an importance in that. Now, by the way, if the guy, i.e. John Kennedy, is no good at the job, it shouldn't have been a job. Right? No. That's a given. But there is an important factor in relation to keeping the traditions of this club alive, I feel. 
as long yeah, as it can do as long as it can do the job. Look, I, I've got no issue with people being kept on, providing that they can do a job. You know, mm. I just I, I'm not all, I'm not for sentimentality, and also, you know, I've always said, and we we said this, you know, we banged the drum on this so much last season about. You know, whoever comes in has to be given free reign, has to be in charge of his department, and you know, not be uh, have have staff uh, foisted upon him. And from what we've been led to believe so far, that's the case with Ange Postecoglou. He he, you know, was was given these guys, but the the caveat to that was that he um, was okay with it and yeah. was said, well, this is what I do when I go to clubs. I don't necessarily have this. You know, big bus full of people that I bring in, and and you know, and you know, implement um, structures or whatever. Um, so he's he works with clubs on who they bring in um, once he's there, I guess, um, and uses the people that are there. So, and you know, that, that's what I was thinking about the Ralph Ranick thing at Man United. Like, is it this, is it the same case with him that he you know goes in and sort of surveys what's happening at a club, and then from the six month period after, he then will then start to hire and potentially fire people because I mean he he'll decide whether or not he thinks the coaches that are there are good enough um and whether or not he thinks that they're gonna uh, affect Manchester United's future in a positive way. And I guess Ange Postogo did the exact same thing when he came in and looked at Kennedy and Strachan and thought, okay, I can work with these guys. They're they're pretty they're pretty on the ball. They've got a good relationship with the players. As we have been told many times, lots of players have name checked John Kennedy as being somebody that's been important. Who's the for recent one? I was uh, I was reading an interview. Was it Chris Iyer? Chris Iyer was yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And again, I don't I don't think people would just, as I said before, I don't think people would just say that for the sake of it. It's not like it wasn't like a tokenistic. Oh, I'll get I'll get John Kennedy some to some good favour with the Celtic support and say something nice about him. People don't do that. I mean, he would he would have said that and it would have been genuine. So mm. the other um, players came to my mind. It was Rab Douglas who was there on Friday. Oh yeah, he, he wasn't up on the stage, but he, big Rab was there, um, looking as big and uh, tanned as he always does. What a size of hands he's got on him as well. Um, Feed the bear comes in on a almost daily basis, uh, having a few problems. Great that you joined us though on on YouTube. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because you were talking about bears earlier on, and whenever you talk about bears, I just think you're Roy Aiken, and there he is. Um, and we've got a few points coming through on the Neil Lennon thing that we were speaking about. Um, and I think Terence Pat, another uh, long-time contributor, says Lennon's legacy isn't ruined. He's done great things with the club. Time will heal the wounds which are still raw. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, JP. Um, last season was, you know, it was a perfect storm in many ways. Uh, and loads of people could have done things differently. But I just think that if you put it all you know, in the melting pot, it was always going to end in failure. Yeah, Of course, Neil Lennon was part of that. But I just think that as football fans, we tend to focus on the gaffer, don't we? Um, a lot of the time when things aren't going well. As we are right now. <laughs> We're focused on, on Ange Postecoglou because uh, things have gone right. But I don't think every single thing has gone right because of Ange Postecoglou. There's, there's other things that have gone right in his favour, i.e., um, We've managed to, you know, get players in that are more suited to to the system. There's a difference in in appetite for for the for, with the players that are there. So the the switch around of of personnel has has benefited Ange Postecoglou. 
whether or not Ange Postacoglu would have been able to get a tune out of that team last season is is another. Is a, that's a completely different um, uh, question and probably show because <laughs> yeah. you know if, if if Neil Lennon had been uh, relieved of his duties say in August last year and they would brought in Ange Postacoglu, he was still walking into a dressing room with um, unhappy players, you know, yeah. and would they have been inspired by? Him, who knows? It's a, it's a different question, but I have to laugh as well at um, Kev Graham calling Ralph Ranick um, friend of the podcast yesterday <laughs> because he replied to an email. <laughs> it was like, oh, he's there, he's there, friend of the podcast. That was um, pretty good part from Kev. But nothing ever no bold. If you don't ask, know. you don't get. You know. So uh, eight <laughs> months ago, on the back of that, part of the the, the process of a name popping up is to try and find out as much as you can. So I emailed him. I asked him for an interview. I watched a brilliant interview that he did on Coach's Voices, which is a brilliant YouTube channel. And he was brilliant. I thought he'd be great. I mean, let's talk about structure. Let's talk about, you know, restructuring a football department of a, of a big football club. That's all relevant. Uh, he was kind of busy, though. But he did get back to us, which was lovely of him. Um, we're he's talking a, about... A subscriber. <laughs> What's that, mate? He's subscribed, is he? <laughs> yeah, you, never know. you wow. never know. Interestingly enough, we were down, talking about you don't ask, you don't get. We asked for... Um, Gaz wheeling out the Happy Mondays to do an acoustic session with us and we travelled into Manchester a few weeks ago to record it and it's on the YouTube channel Happy Mondays are one of my all time favourite bands I love them um, I, l- I listen to the Mondays to this day Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Uh, On a daily basis, you know, so to go down there and meet them and get a session and an interview was just tremendous. But whilst we were in Manchester to kill two birds with one stone, we went, went up to see the Stratford Paddock guys who have got an office in the middle of Manchester. And they, you know, they welcomed, welcomed us in. And uh, at that point, they, they knew nothing about Ralph Ranick. They did mm-hmm. not know about Ralph Ranick. They are trying to catch up with that. So I think the Celtic supporters, I'm not going to say Axel, because as I say, I only heard about them through the comments, were ahead of the curve when it came to the name Ranick. And I'll be watching how Man you do with interest uh, due to the fact that obviously we had um, recommended them to Celtic. Yeah. Uh, Tob Rogic and Nir Beton uh, are back for tonight's game. And I think that we need to ask the question um, after, I thought, a fairly comprehensive victory. I thought the 2-1 scoreline probably flattered Aberdeen a wee bit. I'm going to ask the question, do we make any changes tonight? Oh, uh, I mean... There's a lot of talk about McCarthy after Sunday's game. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I, I saw quite a few um, posts on Twitter, people saying controversial opinion, but I thought James McCarthy had a really good game today. 
you know, and that and they were getting quite a lot of response to that. Conversely, there was quite a few people that were like, "Yeah, didn't they think McCarthy was up to much?" So he still, he still is dividing opinion. But I think it would be quite harsh to drop McCarthy after he played in a winning midfield um, mm. in a in a in a in a pretty must win. Well, they're all must win games, but even more so off the back of the fact that um, you know Rangers had picked up the points at Livingston um, the day before. Um, or, or was it earlier in the day? I can't remember. But um, no, I think we, we, you know, that was a big game, important game. James McCarthy played in it and and was was on the winning the winning side. So I, I always find it a bit harsh if if he was to just be, you know, kicked out and sort, sort of near beat on brought back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this moment in time, based on that performance, it's his jersey to lose. Um, Rogic is a different kettle of fish. I mean. Rogic is probably, if he's fit, he's probably the guy that you really, really need back in the, in that midfield to um, to unlock the defenses that have been bothering us so yeah. so much. You know, like he just he just has that knack of 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 seeing runs, seeing passes, and I know the guys were talking yesterday about um, how how best to utilize uh, Kyogo Furuhashi, and. I think Rogic is the guy that 100% can 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 do that because you know he's got an amazing football brain. He's got you know the range of passing. He'll spot the runs that Furuhashi's making that other people mm. aren't spotting. Mm-hmm. You know you cannot question it. whether Furuhashi scored or not scored in the league since the Dundee game or not. You cannot question the guy's you know enthusiasm, his effort, his work rate. You know, I mean, he got absolutely battered against Aberdeen on Sunday. You know, I mean, again, people are like, oh, he goes down too easy and no, you know, this, that, and the next thing. It's like he was getting roughhoused by Aberdeen. There's no two ways about it. Um, I, I was I was surprised to see him last as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously he's not, you know, a, a commanding figure, so he is susceptible to getting ragdolled a bit. Um, but the treatment that he got was was you know was kind of like oh well welcome to Scottish football it was one of those games you know um, so I, I think I think Rogic if he's fit and and ready to go back in he he would start but then does he start I mean how long has Rogic been out for it feels like oh well, yeah it was a Hibs game wasn't it so you know several weeks and I think when <clears throat> you talk about McCarthy and uh, Turnbull and then you're looking at Beaton and Rogic coming in. I think there's a lot to be said that McCarthy probably needs the games more now. Yeah. Whereas Turnbull could be doing with the rest because he, he's played pretty much all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he came into the side last October, he played pretty much for the rest of last season. And he did so well that he got the Young Player of the Year. But he's yeah. not really had that break. And you've got to, yeah, on the one hand, think, well, you've got to be strong enough to, to be a professional footballer at that level. But he has had a near career-ending injury mm. um, and yet it took him a while to get back into the Celtic side but he's played constantly really for the last year and a bit mm-hmm. so I would also be taking that into consideration and saying well James McCarthy needs the games he didn't do anything on Sunday that would uh, deserve deserving of a, uh, him getting dropped mm. Turnbull probably needs a rest and therefore I would agree with you I'd bring back Rogic uh, but I would actually drop Turnbull for, for Rogic Mm. And I, w- I would leave Beaton on the bench, and I think that you know McCarthy has earned 
uh, another start tonight. I mean, you look at McCarthy now, 31 years of age, um, and I think that yeah, I was asking this at the weekend as well. He's an Irish international, and I can never remember him retiring. So he's maybe got aspirations to get back into the Irish setup yeah. as well, uh, JP. And I think that, you know, that was just his 12th appearance in a Celtic jersey on Sunday. 12 appearances, four starts. He needs the games uh, more than, than anything. And I think that he made a big enough impact. Even if you take in isolation his involvement in the in the second goal, you know, that was pivotal. But uh, throughout the game, I think he managed the game pretty well. You know, and, and you know, Ange keeps getting asked about changing once you're ahead, like, you know, when we're looking at the uh, Leverkusen um, away, change mm-hmm. it, manage the game, defend, uh, don't make these substitutions. These are some of the criticisms that uh, Ange Postacoglu got. But he continually says, no, th- this is the process. But in saying that, I felt that McCarthy did manage that game. He slowed things down massively. There's no real urgency in the last 15 minutes to to try and find pockets of space. He just slowed it down. So, yeah, I would go for McCarthy as a starter, didn't I? I think the thing about McCarthy, and maybe this is just my uh, point of view on McCarthy, is that I have I have never been that sure of what type of player James McCarthy is, what type of midfielder he is. Like, is he uh, an 8, a 10, a 6? I don't really know. And I think maybe... Obviously, everyone's going to have question marks over him because of his, his fitness record and his lack of game time um, and the fact that we've given him a four-year deal at 30 years old. Mm. There's a lot of red flags there, really, to be like, what, why why have we signed this guy? Um, and also, you know, he's not he's not come up here with like 40, 50 games every season under his belt for a club down south. He's come up here with this really patchwork um, playing history and again, because of that, you've not really got a, a true reflection of his identity as a midfielder. I, I, that's just my opinion. I, I don't know if other people share that, and that's why it's led to other people questioning why why he's here and what we're doing playing him and and and, and all that. So, I, I I really want to see the guy doing well because it it seems like you always like to see players come up here who have had a hard time doing well. You know, it's there's been there's so many. I mean, Chris Sutton was talking about it on Monday night about how mm. he'd had such a rough time at Chelsea, and and uh, you know they, they they cost he cost them ten million, and he was kind of like pains to say, well, you know that wasn't really my doing. It's not as if I put that price on my own head, <laughs> and you know said, oh, I'm ten million, take it or leave it. So I mean, he had the rough time there, and then he comes up and comes up here and just has a complete new lease of life. You know, gets his confidence back and does the business for us domestically, but then also does the business scoring against uh, Blackburn at Ewood Park, his old club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's almost a similar uh, thing, you know, where James McCarthy's come up here, obviously a Celtic fan. You could put that to one side and just say he's a guy who's had a bit of a rough time in his career. Yes, he's made probably quite a lot of money and I'm sure he'll, he'll not retire a, a, a poor guy, but you know, footballers want to play games and, and win trophies and <clears throat> it would be great for him, as, uh, you know, as a Celtic fan, uh, when you add that back in as a Celtic fan to sort of get his hands on some sort of silverware and he's got a first opportunity on the 19th of this month to do so. Of course, that's another thing. You know, he who has that jersey, and we'll talk about a few others like that, JP, will have one eye on that cup final. You know, it's because, hungry, isn't it? It's oh, hungry. Yeah. As was spoken about by 
by a defender in a blue shirt last week. It's about hunger. And we hopefully have more people in that team now that are hungry than people that aren't. So. That's the big thing that, that for me is quite visible. Now, I totally respect the data analysis side of football. And in actual fact, on the Sunday, this Sunday, the huddle breakdown with Alan Morrison and the call um, will we'll be on the Axon Charity Weekender. And I totally respect that. But I think that there are other things that you just can't, um, you know, yeah, you can't, yeah, you just can't. There's no way you can put a figure on how, uh, for example, morale, mm-hmm. a changing room, losing the dressing room, that all that kind of stuff. You can't put that on a spreadsheet. And and these are the things I think that um, observers of football, which I uh, basically class myself as an observer rather than an, an analyst, oh, you can pick I mean, up on these things, right? Yeah. Um, but interestingly, when we were talking there about uh, Leverkusen, and I love, I absolutely love the story of Celtic's formation. It's, it's cinematic, right? That you set up this football club because, you know, the, the potato famine of the 1840s, 40 years later, and uh, the Irish are still being mistreated in, in Glasgow, um, and various football clubs are formed to try and feed and, and uh, support these people who are in poverty. And, of course, Edinburgh did it with Hibernian. Manchester United did it. I think they were, what were they called? They weren't Manchester United back then. But see, when they changed their name, Mm-hmm. One of the um, options that they were going to change it to was was Manchester Celtic. I they went for that. Manchester United, Dundee mm-hmm. United, Dundee Hibernian, and of oh, course yeah. Celtic. And and I love the the origins. I love that. And I remember uh, a few years ago reading a brilliant article in one of the Irish newspapers where there was a, a very strong rumour that Peter Mullen had written a script uh, to a movie called Paradise, and what it was. Was it was the formation of Celtic, right? And uh, he had already spoken to Daniel Day Lewis about playing Brother Walfred. <laughs> now this was years ago, and the script's there, and it's never ever got off the ground. But I do think it's one of these fairy tale stories that could end up at some time on the silver screen. And it got me thinking when we were playing Bayer Leverkusen about the origins of their football club. Do you know what the origins of Bayer Leverkusen are? JP, I know that you travel about and um, you know you get to know cities and, and that kind of thing. Well, Bayer Leverkusen were one of these clubs that were formed out of a workplace. So they were a works team. So I remember being in the Netherlands when I used to play football back in my teenage years and hearing the story about PSV Eindhoven because you just think PSV, but it was the Philips work team that became wow. SV Eindhoven and PSV. And it's similar with Bayer. Uh, Leverkusen, so they were a pharmaceuticals company, right? And that was their logo. There, that's their logo, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll notice that that Bayer Leverkusen logo has that in the centre as well, oh, yeah. right? So you've got that there. But the pharmaceutical company uh, were the first persons ever to trademark. Aaron, there's there. You see it, the logo Bayer. They were the very first pharmaceutical companies to trademark that. And that that title, the name of said drug, which was used back in the day for bad toothache, apparently, right. was actually heroic, but it was changed to heroin. And that's... Is that, why they, is that why they have the, the sort of, not motto, but there's a thing called like work self, like something to do with, obviously, work. Mm. Um, they're, 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 it's not their motto, but i just seen like hashtag work self. Yeah. By Leverkusen, so it must have something for the whoever's 
I don't speak German, but uh, whoever's uh, persuasion will be able to explain what work self means. Um, yeah, that, that will be relating to the fact that it was a workers' team. But I found that Origins of Bayer Leverkusen uh, not as romantic as uh, that of Celtic Football Club. And of course, the birthplace of Celtic is St Mary's. And just while we've been on um, this bulletin, the donations have been coming in. I've got to say thank you to every single person that's made a donation to the fundraiser. We're sitting at the moment at £1,535, JP, and we aim to make ten grand uh, over the weekend by basically putting out 24 hours of content. Um, it's going to be on the YouTube channel. It's going to be on various other channels that we uh, broadcast on, and we want to raise money for the birthplace is Celtic. So if you can donate, there is a link underneath this video. We've spoken about Tom Rogic in the Arbiton. Another couple of Celts that have been in um, the news this week are Cameron Carter-Vickers and Chris Julian, the two centre-halves now. I mean, that's a year now, over a year, JP, mm. since he collided with that post. And I remember having a discussion with you where you said that was one of the moments in the season that it looked as though we'd started getting a bit of form together. Mm-hmm. Then he collides with the post and then we get the New Year's game coming around and near Beaton gets sent off. It was like anything that could go wrong was going wrong. And we've never seen hiding or hair of him since other than launching kits or Aye. being part of the Christmas advert. Are you concerned now? Because this apparently was a nine-month layoff. Mm. It's been delayed, delayed and delayed to the point where when he's asked about it now, Ange doesn't seem to want to give too much information about it. I'm getting a bit concerned about Chris Julian. Yeah, I have to say I watched that. I watched that last night. Uh, the press conference, and you know, I guess I'd read the comments first of all, and then that the co- reading the comments made me want to watch the press conference to see how he responded when he was asked. And it doesn't feel even much confidence, does it? Because it, it it doesn't sound like it's uh, oh yeah, hundred percent right about the work stuff. It means of the workers, right? See, generally, you could ask just about anything, and you will get an answer yeah, that's uh, cool. on the comments Thank you, section. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, the uh, I know the, the the Julian thing is is a bit odd. I've heard from some people that like you know that he will never play for Celtic again. Like I've I've heard people say that, and I don't know if it's just you know um, the sort of crazy rumours or whatever. But I mean, it, it it does start to make you think. You know, when is he going to be back? Because he and he he's been posting stuff on his Instagram about you know. Uh, the, the 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 egg timer, you know, and you know, sort of uh, the pump and iron emoji and stuff like that, mm. to, to suggest that he's very close. And it was intimated that he was going to be back after the international break. And we're after, we're now past the international break. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. No setbacks were detailed about his recovery. It was just a case of, oh, yeah, he's, he's working through things or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, whoa, he's it. Kind of not like Ange Postacoglu to be as vague as that. You know, he normally would give you, he'd give you more to go with than that, I think. So, well, I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, 
for God's sake, if, if he isn't going to be ready, we need to go out and sign a centre-half in January. 100%. If we need another centre-half because everybody's been hanging their hat on, oh, when Julian comes back, when Julian yeah. comes back, and he's nowhere to be seen and we're almost halfway through the season. Well, not not quite, but we will be after the end of this month. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, it's, it's, it's a bit concerning because it's a part of the team that we really, really need um, you know, reinforcements there because just like when Joe Hart went down on Sunday against Aberdeen, everybody was all on edge in the stadium. They were kind of thinking, oh God, this is going to be Scott Bain. And, mm-hmm. and no disrespect to Scott Bain, but he's not Joe Hart, <laughs> um, as we've seen. And, uh, you know, Joe Hart's been unbelievable. And the same thing, if, if Carter Vickers was to go down, it'd be the same thing. Everybody'd be like, oh no, what does this mean? This exactly. means, means near Beaton at centre half. Yep. No disrespect to near Beaton, but he's not a centre half, <laughs> as, we, as we've seen. It's just said the exact same thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I think uh, it's a bit of concern. It, it really is. And, you know, I think back to, you know, Simunovic. He was one of the one of these uh, centre halves, JP, that we could just never keep him fit. And obviously his issues were long standing issues. Uh, he was a young man at Celtic. And basically his Celtic career ended because it, we, we couldn't get a tune out of him because we knew and it took him a long, long time to go back to his homeland and get a, a deal. Um, so he didn't play for about 18 months after he left Celtic and I just don't want the same thing to happen with Big Julian I mean he showed us as a defender and also uh, with his aerial prowess in the opposition's box that he's you know he is a danger Um, and you and I probably more than anyone else on the show have spoken about that moment where he collides with the post you hear the clunk because there's no fans in the stadium and Mm. I just hope that he does fight back to full fitness Um, but it does take me on to the point of having to sign another centre-half. Over the years, we've had some really decent um, low knees, in my opinion, coming in in the centre-half position. I thought Denier was an excellent talent, again, at a young, young age. Um, a lot of people said, you know, Van Dyke made him look good. I think Denier's went on and proved that he was a player yeah. in his own right. Um, and the other one that I really liked, but similarly to Julian Insumunovic, it was a fitness issue with Philip Benkovic. Yeah. Uh, we had him in on loan. But our most recent one, of course, is Carmen Carter-Vickers. And a few times on the podcast, we've spoken about the um, necessity to sign him because Jota's getting all the praise and because he's an entertaining footballer. But there was also this necessity that don't take your eye off Carmen Carter-Vickers. You've got to sign him up. And we were asking, you know, what what's the fee? And there was a fee up to, you know, I heard things from 1.8 to 3 million quid. But during the week, we're talking about a vastly... Um, higher fee than that. If he is available and you look at what he's done, and I think he has steadied the ship, and him and Hart have been a massive part of that at the back, and you think to yourself, well, we paid four and a half for Starfelt. We paid seven for Julian. I mean, what do we go to? What figure do we go to for Cameron Carter-Vickers, JP? Well, I mean, we paid seven for Julian. Then, I mean, Julian was older um, and isn't an international... Um, so I mean, I, people will bulk at ten million because it does seem a lot, and obviously it would it would break our transfer record um, by a million quid if if the nine million for Edward was what we actually paid. I, I've always believed that it was like seven million plus add-ons to take it to nine. Um, 
whether or not we'll ever know that for sure, I don't know. But um, if, if it was a 10 million deal where it was something like seven, but would be made up to 10 based on appearances and all the rest of it, I, mean, I don't really think that's that crazy a figure to be um, to be banding about because guy, the guy's, what, 23? He's, mm. He is an international. Yes, he's not played week in, week out at uh, a Premier League club down south. I mean, if we were to go after somebody that was a Premier League player that played week in, week out, a centre-half, we wouldn't be paying 10 million quid for them. We'd be paying double, three times that, you know, yeah. if, if we're, you know. And we're never going to be spending that sort of money because we don't have it. And it doesn't seem feasible. So there's a sell on there's a sell on value to Cameron Carter Vickers. If we pay, say, seven, between seven and ten for him now, we get two seasons out of him. If he plays to a level, if he gets to, if we get to play at a higher level in Europe and he plays as part of that, then he's he's his price rises. It fits the kind of the model um that we that we we've been successful with in the past. So I, I certainly, you know, Obviously, it's not my money to play with, but maybe it kind of is, but I don't really know if you can count my season ticket as being anywhere close to touching the sides of uh, 10 million quid. But, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have an issue if, that, if that's what it was. And also, if the player wants to be here, that's, that's, that's the other thing. If, if mm-hmm. both parties are up for this and you've got a guy who's really keen to play for Celtic and sign for Celtic, and that's the money to make it work, then... Yeah, I would go for it. It's one of these things, again, I'm looking at the situation and for me, you've got Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers. We're doing loan deals differently, we've been hearing. So we're trying to get, you know, um, a a buy clause within the contract where we get the first option to buy Jota after the loan deal's ended. It's it's a very precarious situation to be in, though, because you've got Jota there who... (coughs) It all comes down to him whether or not he wants to sign the contract and, and come to Celtic. But he, in many ways, is using the platform in the meantime to show other people his worth. Mm-hmm. So there might come a point where because of what he's doing at Celtic and because of the platform you've given him, he's able to secure what he might perceive as a bigger or better offer elsewhere. Um, and I think that the other thing we've got to take account of, and I heard somebody asking the question, if you could get... Um, Jota for the, the buyout at six and a half million pound that's been quoted uh, JP and do a Jack Henry on him would you do it? Because obviously you know they basically just bounced them back out and doubled their money uh, quite frankly no I wouldn't because no, it's no. taken us so long to get someone um, of that talent that I want to see him kicking about and I say this a lot when I'm talking about Celtic we've named a few players there who uh, you know if you go back to the Barcelona game at, at Celtic Park right and you look at the players we've had since then, and you know we didn't. Let's say we didn't have that three-year turnaround plan where we buy a player in, we sell them at a profit, we move on to the next one, and we were able, able to build a side instead. You've got a side there that could do a hell of a lot better in Europe than we mm. ever have done in the last decade. Mm. You know, if you if, and I know football doesn't always work like that, but the players we're talking <laughs> about are all still of a level. You know, from Foster through Denier and Van Dijk to Wanyama and. Dembele and Edward and so on and so forth. You throw in Kyogo and Jota in there as well. And you've got Tierney at left back. You've got Makings in not a bad team. And you, you ask yourself, well, what on earth could we have done if they all played together? Um, and that, again, comes right to the structure of the club and how we buy and sell players. But I think with Carter Cart- Vickers, if we don't buy him, JP, then we've got a huge headache because we need to replace him 
and potentially Julian. Mm. You know, no, so- I, I agree. I, and I, I think as, as much as everyone's been frugal about money, I mean, we've, we've chucked money. We've got two players sitting there that aren't really contributing who've cost us a combined 10 million. Mm. And, you know, that that that, that can't be forgotten. I mean, I, I I don't forget it. It's something I think about all the time. Every time I hear the name Barkas, I just immediately think of five million pounds. Every oh. time I hear the name Ayeti, I think of five million pounds. I don't think of the contributions that they've made because it's they've been minimal, and we might never know the reasons why um, they haven't done as well as they clearly should have done. I mean, you alluded to it recently. You know, we were signing a a Greek international goalkeeper. There was no, there was no, uh, this wasn't like Raphael Scheidt with like, uh, where he'd been given a, a, a cap by some shady boss. Like mm. this is, you know, he was a genuine international, um, you know, had played with AK Athens in the Champions League. Um, there was no real concerns on our part as to his prowess as a football player. And a Yeti as well. You're like, okay, there was doubts over him because of his season at West Ham. Obviously, you're thinking, is he going to be another one of these guys that comes up here and turns it round, and you know, sort of gives two fingers to the to the critics down south, and and sort of goes, "Oh, this is what I can actually do." Mm-hmm. And everybody was kind of thinking that would happen. It's just unfortunate for him that he, he arrived at the start of a season that was that was you know the wheels were coming off it before it even really got going. <laughs> you know, by the end of August, there was the chat of players not wanting to be here and Albion Ayeti was caught up in the middle of that. Mm. Um, and so was Barkas. So, um, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's it, goes back, it goes back to a point you've already made though. You know, had Albion Ayeti been a success at West Ham, he'd been nowhere near Celtic Park. Yeah. Had Joe Hart been playing well for Spurs, we would never have been able to attain his services. No. So, you know, it's a market that, you know, the, the margins are very, very fine. Yeah. Uh, and I always look back on that Raphael story because uh, John Colhoun was involved in that deal. And uh, John Colhoun was the very first guest we had mm-hmm. uh, in a state of mind studio before we even started live streaming. Um, and we had a wee chat about uh, the Raphael deal. And Celtic went out and watched them um, a number of times in Brazil. And the other, his teammate, that probably should have stood out was Ronaldinho and Gremio. <laughs> and when, when Ronaldinho actually got his move from Gremio, um, it was for less than what we paid for Raphael. So, you know, it, it just shows you in terms of bad business. We have done it over the years. But like you say, when it comes to the centre-half position, it shows you how difficult we found it to get a decent centre-half. We found one. We know what he can do. Right, so maybe we're going to be paying three times more than we thought we were going to. But we know what we're getting. There's, it's a lesser risk when we bring in somebody like Carter Vickers, who's already played, by which time it'll be a season at Celtic Park. And Strange Love the Doctor reminds us of big Ramon Vega as well, um, who I think scored two on his debut against Aberdeen at Celtic Park, if I remember yeah, correctly. He was from Spurs, wasn't he? He was from Spurs as well, yeah. aye. Uh, and big Ramon was on a Celtic state of mind earlier on in the season, talking about how he wants to get back into football, but he wants to go in at the CEO level. Um, and at that point, we had a CEO, and now we don't. Brilliant. But that became a story after the event. Um, I'm just going to remind everybody that we are doing our big charity weekend, or this weekend, St Mary's Need 
the cash. It's as simple as that, JP. And we will have more information as the weekend goes on, but they need the cash. And I think that at this um, kind of juncture, I took it for granted that there was various things set up, you know, in terms of maybe funds that uh, Celtic or the support had been involved in. I was quite surprised that that's not the case. So um, we're going to take it into our hands and we're going to try and raise as much as we possibly can. And at this moment in time, we're sitting at £1,540. Thanks, everybody, who has been donating during the show, uh, JP. And we are a wee well to go, but I think we can reach the target of £10,000. We reached £27,000 grand last year. And uh, this time round, 24 hours of content. So you most to look forward to. You mentioned that Sunday um, might not go ahead. You said that if the game goes ahead. Why would that be in doubt? There were stories, uh, I was reading this morning, stories around about uh, a safety issue at Tanadice because right. of the high winds. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm keeping a, a close eye on that as well, just to make sure that you'll remember we've, we've mentioned uh, Raphael Scheidt purchased by or under the tenure of John Barnes. The Inverness Cali game, you'll remember, was actually delayed uh-huh. because there was some oh, guttering yeah. that was hanging off the stand. And I was in the bus park that day, yep. I remember it well. It was uh, horrible. We all just about turned and went back to Edinburgh and then, yeah, the game happened, what, uh, a week later or something? It was after I'd moved to France for uni, so I, I found out the score over the phone, uh, on the phone of my dad. It's just a bizarre scenario of being told over the phone by my dad mm-hmm. that we were, we'd been beaten 3-1 off in Vanessa Cali. It was just like a completely surreal experience. I thought he was in the wind-up. I really did. I didn't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was an actual uh, real thing that had happened, but unfortunately, it was. And it was, and never let us forget that either. The, the thing with that game, though, is obviously it was a death knell of um, John Barnes's managerial career at Celtic. Uh, there was no coming back from that. But he did tell us the the story that he went in the following day, had a meeting with the board, and it was fine. He wasn't getting the sack. Uh, Sky Sports then came on <laughs> and uh, they were interviewing various people outside Celtic Park he was called back in sacked interesting enough so it was uh, obviously most that it had to happen but it's one of the games that you try and erase from your memory JP can you remember who scored for Celtic that night? Uh, well, no, I didn't get to see the game. I've never seen that whole game. I think yeah. I've seen Inverness celebrating at the end. I've got a feeling it was Burchill. It was. It was, was Burchill. Yeah. And he actually equalised. Um, and then Maravchik scored an own goal before half-time and they were beating us 2-1 at half-time and <laughs> Bikvaduka takes his boots off and everything else started kicking off. So, yeah, interesting times. Big charity weekend or this weekend. Really looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for your donations. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. It's tremendous to get the chat going uh, wherever you're watching. But if you are watching on YouTube, get subscribing and uh, click on the notifications bell because we are producing content every single day. I always enjoy it on a Thursday. Thank you to JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.